Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You're listening to the best of the Roto Experts in the Morning. Let me ask you this, Scott, because you mentioned that Stephen Matz, you know, not holding runners on so well, right? People running against him. I was going to say the same thing about uh, John Lester, right? You know, so you look at Lester, he gave up some uh, some stolen bases as well. Nemo stole a base, and Joey Bats steals a base off of Lester as well. You talk about Matz and Lester. Here's what I want to ask you from a fantasy standpoint. You know, we talk about attacking pitchers sometimes, right? And in DFS, you know, stacking certain lineups. Can you attack pitchers, specifically a guy like Lester, a guy like Matt, for stolen bases all I, as well? I remember, Scott, you know, when we were playing Roto Clio, I used to look when Lester was on the hill and try to pick, you know, the speedster from the other team, whether that was Inciarte or Hamilton or whatever the case may be. You're saying Matt is also not the best at holding runners on. Can you try to attack that maybe from a DFS standpoint or, you know, in a head-to-head matchup kind of thing. Um, do you, can you attack pitchers for stolen bases as well? Maybe not so much in a head-to-head matchup because you just got to start your best guys every week. Right. In a seasonal league. But for DFS, you know, when you're going against guys like Syndergaard and Matt, who both have trouble with this, and Lucas Giolito, uh, I think you want to take advantage, of course. You know, if Seattle's playing uh, Chicago, all the more reason to get D Gordon in there. Multiple teams seem to be in on Hanley Ramirez, right? You know, he was DFA'd, so they gave him, like, seven days to trade him or become a free agent. That time lapses. He is now a free agent. Let's talk about some possible spots for a guy like Hanley Ramirez. I mean, personally, Scott, I think he's probably got to be in the American League, right, so that the DH is kind of potential. And you need a guy – listen, if you need a guy to hit he against play, lefties, He can play some first base. He can. He can. I still think – you know, he'll, I think he'll ultimately wind up with an American League team, so he has that option to still be in that lineup. He's still a quality bat against left-handed pitching, Scott. I can see a contending team maybe giving it a shot for Hanley. Reports are that there's a lot of people uh, interested. you got to figure he signs somewhere this week, right, Scott? Yeah, probably not Miami, though. No, I'm you saying American League, yeah. and I'm saying some kind of contender. You're right. They don't like him down there. I don't think they like him much in Boston anymore either. But, I mean, you know, I can see him with one of these teams that are kind of on the fringe. You know, could you see him helping the Angels lineup? Could you see him helping, oh, I don't know, one of these teams in the NL West? Imagine him in Coors Field um, trying to, I was, you know, I was take advantage just of say the Coors, I was just okay. going to say Coors Field. You know, might be might be one spot actually. Yeah, so I mean, but maybe the, maybe maybe Minnesota. You know, Minnesota as well. Some of these French teams. So well. Right. Yeah. I mean, the big boys in the American League don't need them offensively, right? Houston doesn't no. need them. Cleveland doesn't need them. The Yankees don't need them, right? Um, so with the National League, you have the concern of can he play the field every day and be out there, which maybe a team like you said, like Colorado, would want to take him on anyway. But um, you know. He he should have a job sometime soon. Maybe maybe this. Seattle. Yeah, I mean that's an option. Remember they lost. You know they lost uh, one 
one uh, Dominican professional hitter in Robinson Cano. Maybe they go and try and grab another one in that lineup. Hey, Scott, over the weekend, you know, a couple of bumps and bruises. You mentioned J.D. Martinez left the game. We have some others. I know Josh Donaldson also went to the DL. Why is this not time for Vlad Guerrero to come up, Scott? Isn't this, shouldn't this be the time if Donaldson's, uh, if Donaldson's on the shelf for a little bit? You would think so. I really don't have an answer why the Blue Jays right. are not doing it. For some reason, Scott, and maybe this is a poor comparison, uh, when I heard about Renfro and Jankowski coming up, you know, about two years ago, let's say, it was kind of the same as like a Conforto and Nemo, you know, two outfielders that were really prized in the farm system that both came up. I guess Conforto has kind of obviously done more than any of the other four. But um, if kids like this, if Jankowski and Renfro can kind of put it together, is there any future for the Padres in the short term? I think so. Fran Mill Reyes hit his fifth home run right. last night. You're mm-hmm. starting to see the power from him from a fantasy perspective. They spent the money on Hosmer. This is their, this is their outfield of the future. I don't think they want Jose Perel as a, as a regular starter. I know some people have him as a sixth fantasy outfielder. Mm-hmm. But I cut, I cut him in Tout Wars to pick up Janikowski. So, uh, yeah, I, th- so, I think this is their outfield of the future. I think for the Mets, they have a tough decision when Cespedes comes back because Nemo's Nemo. playing so well. I don't compare them in terms of scouting reports because right. Conforto hits for better average in power than uh, than uh, Renfro will. You know, Renfro's more of a pure power guy sure. to me. And yeah, you know, the, the other talking, you know, Jankowski's more of a pure speed, a speed guy, guy. Yeah. than the other two. I hear you. Uh, let me ask you this, Scott. You talked about how they have a choice with Nemo, right? Um, and we also know how Cespedes is oft injured, right? We also know that Jay Bruce is not really doing it banged up. He's got the plantar stuff. Would they ever is – it, is it time to start considering Cespedes at first base? I don't think that will ever happen. No? If, I mean, if I, they need room for Nemo? No. They want – you know? They, they've trained Bruce there. And again, you I know, know this Bruce is isn't this doing is something anything. I know because he's playing hurt. He's got the plantar fasciitis in the back. You want but, to limit the amount Cespedes has to move around. But you know what? Fans keep talking about moving somebody to first base. I keep saying it's not going to happen, except for maybe you know, once a week at most. Right. The Mets, the Mets are not giving up on Adrian Gonzalez. Now they're not right. playing him six days a week, but he's a leader in the clubhouse. He's a leader on the field. He plays mm-hmm. better defense than any first baseman that's there. And when he does sure. get in there four days a week, he's been hitting lately. So Adrian Gonzalez is not going anywhere. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be you... it's gonna be a tough decision right now right. because you know, Nemo's this, performing. Nemo's performing. Bruce is not. You know, I think I think when Bruce comes back, when Nemo comes back, it would not surprise me if they put when Cespedes comes back, it would not surprise me if they put Bruce on the DL because right. he's been, he's, banged he's been up. fighting through it. But then, right, they could actually say, hey, why don't you take a rest for 10-plus? Yeah, you have to have Conforto sense. in center. Sure. Bruce is not playing well, and they're still rolling him out there. Right now, Jose Batista, you watch him in batting practice and games, you know, he's completely launching the ball all the time. I right. don't know if he changed his launch angle since he got cut by, by Atlanta, but the guy is killing it every time he gets into the game. It seems like he gets a double every time he gets into the game, but they're, they're not playing him every day. The Mets mm-hmm. have some outfield depth, and while they have offensive problems, you know they have the, some decisions to make there. If you're going to use first base as that solution, you can't do it more than two days a week. He... 
Jets rookie tight end, you know, he gets popped for DUI. Now, my question is not necessarily about him because I didn't think he was going to be anything anyway. What about the Jets tight end situation, Jake? I mean, they had Austin Safarian Jenkins there last year. They were notoriously a team in the previous offensive coordinator that didn't utilize the tight end at all. The Jets wide receiver room also literally has like 12 guys on the contract that have some kind of NFL experience. Who's they catching used to have 17. Right, well, there you go. Who's catching passes from McCown and Darnold this year? Uh, you mean specifically for the tight end or just in general? I, I mean, almost anybody at the tight end is one thing, but you have the same kind of questions at wide receiver. Everyone from Robbie Anderson to Anunwa to Wilkin well, no, to Chad Hansen. I mean, I, ideally, if, if everything's fine, if everything, like, so bas- basically, best case scenario, it's yeah. Terrell Pryor, Robbie Anderson, and Quincy Anunwa is that hybrid that he's been. I mean, that's right. best case scenario. That's if, that's if everything goes the way that they want it to in best case scenario. Then, you know, Terrell Pryor bounces back in a big way, and he's their number one option. Robbie Anderson bounces back from his issues, both injuries and off the field, and becomes sure. a great number two. And Quincy Nuno has always been the hybrid. That's why they don't really need a tight end. They, don't, they picked up Clive Wolfer from Oakland, and they have Jordan Leggett, who's nice. Actually, I actually think that Jordan Leggett's got Let's some get talent. Out of Clemson, but, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think you look at anybody on this team tight end wise and say, "Ooh, that's the guy." Uh, they have Bucky Hodges too, but like this is just like it's a bunch of ifs and at, ifs mm-hmm. at best. It's like it's that's why I think that they don't really need a true one because Quincy Nua kind of fills that hybrid. Quincy Nua is not really a terrific wide receiver, and he's not a great tight end. He's that hybrid that we saw before right. he got hurt. So as of right now, though, Terrell Pryor is not even in the mix. Right now, it's Anderson, Kirsten, and Nunwa. So. That's who he's throwing the ball to. If Terrell Pryor can jump over top of Curse, that's great. But they brought in Curse. They gave him a decent amount of money to come in from the Seahawks. And then you still have all the rest of them that you're talking about with the Chad Hansons and Devin Smith and Ardarius Stewarts and Tron Peaks and all that. Like, lucky lucky like, Whitehead, they, baby. Lucky Whitehead. <laughs> they still, at, like right now, I was serious about the 17. They don't have 17 anymore. But still, as of right now, they still have 13 wide receivers on this roster, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, well, they Baker's also have. Doesn't. They also have well. They also have, speaking. They have half a dozen tight ends. They have six tight ends right now. So all this is going to be trimmed out. As I said, the the ideal situation, it, whatever you know, is at least those four names are going to be in the mix: Curse, Anderson, and Newell Pryor. But this is why I'm not really drafting any of them. If if I'm in a deep fourteen team league, maybe like you know with the extra two spots on my bench. I'll take a flyer on Pryor. I'll take a flyer on Anunua. Uh People are actually paying up for Robbie Anderson, so he's probably the one I'm off on. Nobody's paying attention right. to Curse. So I'll take a flyer somewhere, but right. it could basically be wide receiver by committee. Yeah, I mean, you know, clearly there will not be 13 wideouts on the roster in a couple of months. Just 11. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and then they got a crowded backfield as well. But, you know, I look at these wideouts and the tight ends. You know, the tight end is always the security blanket potentially if they bring Darnold in. And listen, many people expect the Jets to be down and throwing in the second half of games. You could see a guy like Jermaine Curse getting a lot of garbage time receptions when they, uh, you know, when they're playing soft coverage down the road. <laughs> We go to Pittsburgh today, Jake, and I got to tell you something. I personally, um, I try to beat the Patriots, you know, in the AFC all the time. And Big Ben and this Steelers offense is going to be one of the horses that I try and do it with. Um, I kind of think that because they're in this division that we don't expect much of the other teams, uh, I can see them 
amassing 12, 13 wins, being one of these teams that get a bye. You remember, if we play under last year's rules, the Steelers would have home field advantage in the AFC playoffs because that Jesse James catch would have been ruled a touchdown. They look really, really strong. We don't need to get into most of these guys. We know about the killer bees, right? We know about Le'Veon Bell. He's personally my number one overall player in fantasy personally. We know about Antonio Brown. He is mine and almost everybody's number one wide receiver in fantasy. We know about Big Ben, what he's capable of. We also know about kind of like the home road splits of a guy like Big Ben. The person I want to ask you about, Jake, is Juju Smith-Schuster. Now listen, he was great as a rookie. The reason Martavis Bryant is probably no longer in Pittsburgh. Personally, Jake, I feel like Juju is going to get overdrafted this year because he's that number two wideout in a great offense. But um, I just think people are going to love him a little bit too much. Am I crazy? No, and people are definitely drafted. Uh, the mock draft, the mock magazines, the stuff they've ever done so far, he's going extremely high. He's already going in the fourth round, and that's I mean, where, where's the upside for him to return right. value? As I always say, stop buying all the risk. You just bought every single potential for him to mm-hmm. take a step back or see a little bit less consistency for last year. Somebody else stepping up, getting more involved, whether it's Vance McDonald, the tight end, whether it's whatever the fact may be. Not that I take it anything away from Juju Smith-Schuster. I love the kid. I was high on him coming out of college, and I was surprised that he clicked as fast as he did. But they drafted another talent that I'm very high on, James Washington. And if you look at the fact that like, there's just a lot here where you say it's still going to be Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. At best case scenario, you're always the third option. Best case. You're never going to be more than that. So you're looking at the fact here is, okay, he's a number two. He's being drafted ahead of several number ones. And not that he can't outproduce them. It's just you're asking a lot as, as a number two who's the number three option on his team. So I have no problem with Juju. I want him as my number two wide receiver on my fantasy team. Uh, I would have I would be thrilled to get him as my number three. But right. there's some people out there that are going quick, quick, you know, he, you drafted a low-end wide receiver one, and he's immediately your high-end wide receiver two, or they went running back, running back, starts with him. And I just, he's going too high. Like I said, round four, where's the return? Like, now you're, I mean, top 15 wide receiver, he can't get much better than that as the number two. This isn't the Packers when we had Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb right. both inside the top 10. There's not Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. <laughs> you know? Right. I, I agree with you. Listen, I like the kid also, but listen, I'd be very, very happy if he's my wide receiver three. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, don't think, th- I don't think that's possible at this point. Probably not, you know, but the thing is, he's unfortunately, he's not going to be on many of my teams because of people that I'm drafting with will probably take him ahead of where I would. Like, faced with the choice, I'll take Allen Robinson over Juju Smith-Schuster. I'll take Jarvis Landry over Juju Smith-Schuster, and I'm seeing places where Juju eh, is... I don't know about Landry. In a PPR, I certainly would. Still going to be close. All right, fair yeah, enough. But I would, to your I, point, I would be, but yeah, that's close. But yeah, so to you're, your you're point, right though, in the conversation. He is the number three option. He will get the third most targets for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, in my opinion. Don't forget about Le'Veon Bell, who wants to be played like a wide receiver to himself. Jake, you mentioned another rookie that is on this roster, I believe will be probably kind of uh, – you know, the third wide receiver, in essence, playing the Juju role or the Eli Rogers role from years past. We're talking about James Washington. This kid was a stud, Jake, at Oklahoma State. 
Um, do you expect things out of him in his rookie year? Where's the outlook for a guy like James Washington? Is he going to be kind of a best ball guy where he may have some big weeks? Is he rosterable as like a wide out five on a squad? Tell me a little bit about James Washington. I know you like him. Yeah, definitely. Rosper is like bench option. If you want but he's a, he's a bench and stash. If you draft him. Right. You're probably not going to get any value out of him until somebody gets hurt. And that's until the thing. Juju like, gets hurt, see, right? Yeah. yeah, if Juju gets hurt, if heck, if even if Le'Veon Bell gets hurt, and he's been hurt right. before, you know, if somebody goes down, James Washington is going to see more opportunity. But for if everybody's healthy, uh, it's, like you said, it's best ball DFS. If you're looking at the opportunity of, like, when's Ben's four-touchdown game coming, that's the fact of what it could be. Like, we've, we've always known... What, like, it's kind of weird because you go back to what I just said. It's like, yeah, best case scenario, you're a third wide receiver on this team. But they're a third option. But the third wide receiver has popped before at times. I mean, Juju was technically the third last year. Martavis Bryant has been the third before in years past. So if you look at it, there's opportunities to have, you know, two or three of those games, and they will happen. Probably, if you're looking at this roster, for James Washington. He's a terrific talent. He, Despite his size, People are going to always knock him for that. This is similar to I'm not, look. He's not Odell Beckham. I'm just making the comparison for size wise. People, everybody wants to knock Odell Beckham coming out of college because of his size, and that's why he wasn't on the conversation with Sammy Watkins and Mike Evans in that draft. It's only because of his size. Well, his size isn't stopping him. James Wise, James Washington is probably one of the best ball trackers in the draft. So. He's going to see value. He will pass Darius Hayward Bay, and that's what I was getting to. Is Hayward Bay is still there and probably going to be involved at times, but Washington will save him at some point. I wouldn't draft him just because you could probably let somebody else and then watch them drop him because he's not going to probably do much for the first couple of weeks. But as you said, best ball, DFS, uh, if somebody gets hurt, he'll, he'll, have some, he'll have significant value. All right, fair enough. It's time to get bold, Jake. Uh, when I like to get bold, I like to go to the tight end position. All right, you told me that, you know, uh, Tyler Croft was not necessarily bold last yesterday. So I'm going to go back to the well being bold with Vance McDonald. Listen, I like Vance McDonald a lot. How much? What if I told you that I think Vance McDonald can wind up with 600 yards? I think Vance McDonald can wind up with five or six touchdowns. I think Vance McDonald can catch 50 balls. And that gets you right into, you know, the tight end, uh, I don't know, 14 kind of level, tight end 15 kind of level. What I mean to say is if you don't invest in Ertz or Gronk or Kelsey and you're trying to cobble it together, don't forget about a guy like Vance McDonald. My main point on this one is Jake. The San Francisco 49ers traded him away only because they really liked George Kittle. The Steelers have been trying to replace you know, um, their tight end production for a while. They tried with Ladarius Green. They've, t- they've tried with Jesse James, Xavier Grimble. I think Vance McDonald can kind of take this away, rendering James and Grimble somewhat obsolete. I think Vance McDonald has a, a chance to get into, you know, the very top of tight end two conversation, you know, somewhere around 13, 14, 15. I think Vance McDonald is someone people should keep an eye on in this Steelers offense. Big Ben loves the tight end. That's not bold. Just say he's going to be a tight end one. That's bold. Say it. Just say he's going to be a tight end one. He only has to make it to tight end 12. If, the, if he gets those numbers you just put out, he would be yeah. a tight end one. Fine. Mark it down. I do think he could be a tight end one because I think he will be seen in the red zone. I think Big Ben is comfortable or getting comfortable with Vance McDonald. Yeah, he's a diamond in the rough. I think he could be back-end tight end one, Jake. I do. All right. So there you go. So I'm like bold enough That's, for you, tight end one. Yeah. What do you think, though? Am I, am I crazy? Because, um, I, I listen, 
you know, Ben loves, ever since Heath Miller's been gone, you know, how do they, I think Vance can actually step into that role. He was banged up, flashed a little bit towards the end of the year, but now as a full offseason, I expect bigger things out of uh, Vance McDonald than I do out of, say, James Washington. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I have him at 17, and the right. fact is the between, between 17 and 12 is only about six. Yeah, six points. So, okay, so yeah, that's one game, right? That's one extra touchdown yeah. kind of thing. Um, so where would, you, where would you go, Jake? I mean, this offense, we, listen, first of all, I believe that if any, any given game, if the Steelers bring their A game, they beat anybody in the NFL, Jake. But what do you think is a bold prediction for Pittsburgh? I don't have anything else because that's pretty much the same thing I was going to say. Oh, I mean, Vance? This, this, yeah, well, this, that's basically where I was going to go with it because there's nowhere else to go. What are we going to say about Roethlisberger? What are we going to yeah, say no, about Yeah, no, that's Bell what you're going to say. Like, Brown. Le'Veon Bell, he's good. Antonio uh, Brown, I mean, he's I could, good. I could say <laughs> Juju, Smith, Juju Smith won't be a top 20 wide receiver, but that would just almost kind of be stupid. Like, that would just be saying that just to be bold. So, uh, basically the same thing as you. Is that I have Vance McDonald is 12 or 17. To get to 12, I just told you, six points. I think the, the, so that's to feasible. be a tight end one is, yeah. All right, so let me ask you this, because I mentioned that I think the Steelers are going to be in the AFC Championship game this year, Jake. I look at their schedule, and it helps me. They're, you know, the, the road opener, we talked about how since he's on the road, you don't like my line on that one. I digress. That's fine. They get Cleveland on the road uh, in, the, in the opener. They're losing I think that that's game. A, you think so? I think that's the best yeah. kind of possible scenario. I hear you were up on that, but after that, you know, they get a good run of home games. They have an early kind of buy. Their schedule doesn't bother me they get the Patriots again you know but they get them at home their tough road games don't happen until late in the year they have to go to the dome to see New Orleans but not until week 16 I actually think the schedule kind of matches up good for them Jake their over under on mybookie.ag is 10 and a half wins I say take the over I think they can win 13 games this year Mm, I'd still take the over. I don't think I think 13 is a lot. I'd say 12. So you can is, see him 12 and four uh, or something but, like but that. But let's see, 11 and five is fine. But again, sure. yeah, so it's 11 and five isn't that much if you, especially if you look at the rest of the division. Who I think Cleveland could right. easily sweep Cincinnati and Baltimore this year. Like, exactly. I, I just the Cleveland it might be the second best team in this division. But yes, I, I said actually, it yesterday. I, I think the Browns finished second in this division. But that could be Jake though. That could be the Browns, the Bengals, and the Ravens all at like six and ten or worse. Which by definition means the Steelers are probably going to beat up on them and get to around twelve wins. Yeah, even, well, no, because I told you they're losing that first game. That's Cleveland's <laughs> going to come out hot at home. I'm telling you. So five and one in the division for Pittsburgh though. Nah, that's, that's, they, they, they always lose a game to the Ravens. That's, like at Baltimore or something two. like that? That's why I'm saying 11 is fine. 11 is still the over. You have to go 11 and 5. That's not a big deal. So, so here's yeah. the thing, because I do expect Pittsburgh to be playing into late January, though. I think they are one of the few teams that have to consider things like home field advantage. Jake, we know the big Ben Roethlisberger splits home and away, right? Let's say they're not playing the Jackson 5, notwithstanding. They want that AFC title game potentially in Pittsburgh, not in New Orleans, not in some of the other cities we'll talk about later on that it could be in. And I think for the Steelers, maybe more than any other AFC contender, home field advantage matters. So I see them keeping their foot, you know, pedal to the metal and trying to get to that 13 win so that they can host on, you know, Martin Luther King weekend, whether it's the Pats or someone else. I think it's really important for them to be playing in high field in January, Jake. Uh, you can make all the stories you want. They're, they're not getting the 13 wins. You can keep going with it. You can you Go ahead and you bet it. 
All you have to so do is bet 11. Me, talk, to me, talk to me about the home road splits for Big Ben. Is that a real thing in your opinion? It has to be. How many? It's over four years now. So for everybody out there that's like, oh, it's just this or this. How much of a sample size do you want? It's four years of Ben Roethlisberger being terrible away from home, and nobody's been able to figure it out, and nobody's been able to put a pin on it because it's like one of those they The only thing anybody's come close to is the saying he's running more plays. It's I forget it's either at a shotgun or under center on the road. I forget which it is. What are the fact is, right. but it's like they're just they're kind of searching. They're kind of grasping for straws because nobody can figure it out. The fact is, it's real, but nobody has a true answer for it because you look at everything gameplay wise, and that's the closest they're going to get to find. It's not a big enough discrepancy to say like, oh my god, that's definitively what it is. That might be what it is, but. Yes, Ben Roethlisberger on the on the road is a real thing, and that's why I don't own Ben Roethlisberger in fantasy ever because he's miserable on the road. All right, fair enough. That's why I think they need to get to 13 wins to host in the AFC playoffs. Real quick, last thing, Jake. Unfortunately, as we know, the Steelers will be without Ryan Shazier. Talk about, real briefly, how big of a blow is that to their defense? Uh, I don't do IDP, so. Oh. Well, I mean, this guy <laughs> I, look, is a sideline uh, side linebacker. Talent, yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, they got the T.J. Watt. They have other pass linebackers. Not much. I mean, you know, Vince Williams, John Bostic, that's what we're talking about. But Shazier, his impact will be felt. But obviously, priorities are priorities. And we hope, you know, it's a beautiful sight just to see him walking like we saw him at the NFL draft. You know who uh, I don't necessarily respect if he's using the performance-enhancing drugs, and that's Julian Edelman. You know, we're getting reports out yesterday that Edelman is going to be uh, facing a four-game suspension. You know, he's not the first. We've heard about Mark Ingram as well and others. Julian Edelman, I guess my question for you is, what is the impact on this Patriots offense? You know, we talk about the Patriots and how they kind of keep on humming regardless of what happens as long as Brady and Belichick is there, how they can lose coordinators, they can lose wide receivers, they can lose a guy like Deion Lewis um, at some point. You know, doesn't it have to actually impact them? Like, who scares you outside of Gronk if they lose Edelman on that offense? What do you think is the impact of this, Jake? No, there's no, there's already value here to begin with. You know, the sad thing is, is this destroys the value we had because the value was the fact that Chris Hogan deserved mm-hmm. to be going earlier than the seventh round. Chris Hogan, people forget. It's like, this is why fantasy football can be great for people who know what they're doing because people automatically forget or so quickly forget that he was a wide receiver one before he got hurt. He was among the tops in the league. He had three straight games with, what was it, 100 yards and a touchdown yep. or whatever it was. Like yep. He was dominating the league last year, and everything that people were hoping, oh, Chris Hogan was going to come to the Patriots and have a great value, and Tom Brady was going to get the most out of him because this is what the Patriots do, and nobody's been able to do anything with Chris Hogan, but the Jets, the Patriots will. The Patriots will do it. And they did, and now everybody forgot about it. Everybody just forgets that that's what Chris Hogan was doing. So Chris Hogan was already coming out of value. Everybody missed the Jordan Matthews signing. Just wasn't even paying attention right. that day. People forgot that even happened. And Jordan Matthews, granted, hasn't hit his ceiling, and granted, hasn't done much since his rookie season where he caught those touchdowns, and even a little bit more so the year after that. But since those two years, he really hasn't progressed at all. But if you look at a team again that gets that, oh, I forgot about that guy, or oh, that guy hasn't been that good. They finally got the best out of him. Jordan Matthews was going to look to be intriguing out of that hybrid slot with and without Edelman, like depending on where they were lining up. And in any case, he could have been their number three. 
Now, both their values are going out the window, though, because Edelman is out for the first four games. Now, Hogan isn't a seventh, eighth round value. So he's going to get pulled up into the fifth, and actually, possibly even the fourth. Jordan Matthews is going to go from being free to probably ending up in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. So the fact is, is that's what's going to happen, is the people who were being undervalued are that we're, we're basically saving people from themselves, unfortunately. No, I hear you. You know, when we talk about, like, the term sleeper, right, you know, the, the, it's so funny, you know, in the leagues that I'm in, when I see all this kind of like basic fantasy analysis and they talk about guys that are quote-unquote sleepers, I'm like, what are you talking about? I've been on that guy for weeks. Or like, that guy got drafted in my league early on. What are you talking about? How are these people sleepers? You know, it's kind of a relative term. And it sounds like what you're saying is people like a Chris Hogan or like a Jordan Matthews, you know, kind of just uh, become woke to more people. And it kind of also, it hurts us because, right, we have these kind of dynamic in the rough that we know we can get at value because the rest of the world aren't really on as much but now they're seeing the light of day because of these kind of uh you know either injuries or suspensions you were saying the same thing correct me if i'm wrong jake about mike williams over with the chargers right like you were kind of already on him and then with the hunter henry news then all of a sudden more people are like oh mike williams could be the beneficiary and you behind the scenes are like man Damn it, because, you know, uh, you, you had a chance to get him at value, and that chance is no longer there, right? Is, is that what you're pretty much saying, Jake? Like, he's now kind of uh, on the radar more because of these other moves or injuries or suspensions? Oh, 100%. The thing is, is, let's turn it to everybody listening, too, and say it's not anything just like, oh, damn it, I got you know, these guys that I was hot and everybody's getting the value, you know, fortunate. No, the same thing is this is the argument for drafting early. There's definitely a downside for the – if you drafted already and you already drafted Hunter Henry, there's your downside. On the flip side, you are getting Chris Hogan in the eighth round. You're getting Jordan Matthews for free. You're getting Mike Williams. He was free. You, you can get these kind of values. You can get the rookies that we're talking about from Darius Geis and Nick Chubb in the middle rounds and Rashad Penny not even getting to the second round. Like all these as you get this is last year, the same thing. Dalvin Cook and Kareem Hunt, you were getting the fourth and fifth round. I know because I was doing the same thing around this right. time. August, they're going to the second round. So this is the argument for drafting early. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Remember, Jake, uh, you know, we did a little kind of way too early fantasy football draft on like, you know, just among uh, the hosts and stuff here on the Fantasy Sports Network. And I remember I was taking, I was taking Richard Penny, you know, uh, really early, you know, and now, you know, more people are on him. There's buzz about him being a three down back, you know, so I won't be able to, you know, I, people are not going to sleep on these sleepers as much. What do you think about this Jarvis Landry interview where he really kind of hypes up his current team and kind of throws shade at Ryan Tannehill? I think it's just not spilt milk. I just think he's happy to get away from it. And it's the similar. It's probably I'm surprised Alan Robinson hasn't said the same thing about Blake Bortles. This this, honestly, because, you know, we know the frustrations. Alan Robinson expressed it on the field. We saw him get angry with Blake Bortles. We saw the frustration. Jarvis Landry was putting up numbers, so it was masked to a degree. But he had to be frustrated playing for the Dolphins for the past couple of seasons. The quarterback play included the team, the winning, the on winning ways, I should say. The entire culture, he probably wanted to get the heck out of there. He was happy to be out of there. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised that Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield look better than Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill 
has had some promise, but he's definitely never really put it all together for any type of consistent stretch and any of the injuries and his own play. So I think it's just being truthful. Again, you don't necessarily have to call out names. You could have just said this is some of the most fun or most productive or right. best play that have been a part of without doing it that way. But, you know, that's what athletes do sometimes. They like to, you know, talk smack. Fair enough. Sometimes if you don't have something nice to say, you don't say anything at all. My mama taught me. Nah, that is sport. That is sports. <laughs> that's what we have to talk about. If, someone, just... if someone sticks a microphone in front of your face, though, you got to say something, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, I would never say something like, yo, this is the best show that I've ever had. But it's definitely better than when I was doing it with Greg. I mean, I like right, that. right, right, right. No, I hear you because then I'd be, on the, I'd be texting Greg and I'd be texting Benny Riccardi or something, right? And being like, yo, did you hear what Jake Seeley had to say? Starting drama where we don't needed. Hey, Jake, real quick. We talked about Jordan and Howard. We got to put that up. We got to make a thing for this, okay? Right? Just like how we do Roto Clio, we got to make a series of our, like, kind of gentlemen's bets where we bet the tacos or we bet props to each other, you know, something like that. Because yesterday, when we were talking about Cleveland, we disagreed on the running back a little bit. We disagreed on the wide receivers a little bit. I asked the king, Scott Angle, today to kind of help me out. Because if we go on over to mybookie.ag, Jake, you can build the props builder. You know what I mean? And kind of basically create your own stakes. So here's the question I have for you, Jake. If you took Nick Chubb and Josh Gordon, and I take Carlos Hyde and Jarvis Landry in PPR formats, my question for you is like, how many fantasy points would you give me for it to be kind of an even bet? Like, it'd be your give side. You? My, yeah, your side give, minus 15 you, you, points or something you like out that. Of, no, are you out of your damn mind? Give oh, it's you? only a straight up? This is only a straight up bet? So yesterday, you talk about how crazy I am to kind of think no. that this could be even, and then today, you won't give me any points? No, no, because the fact is you should be giving me points. Oh, I should be giving you points. But yesterday, it was out of control that I would even consider Ed, Hyde and, exa- and Landry. Ex- Exactly, but the point is, you can't just because of my opinion take that. Like you just don't go like, all right, let's look at tonight's games. Uh, let's find okay, Justin Verlander against Doug Fister. You know, there's no way on earth Justin Verlander loses. So it's like, oh, I got you. Got to give me five more runs. No, it's my opinion. So just because of that, Jarvis Landry is ranked higher than Josh Gordon in PPR. Your running back by everybody is ranked higher than the rookie who might not even play day one according to the team so far, and I disagree with that. So there's no way on earth that I should be giving you points. You should be giving me points. It just sounds, Jake, like you're not as confident as you, in your opinion as you were yesterday. No, you don't were really play that strong game. on this don't one, Jake. Play. Come on. Don't, don't play but now when it comes game. to put your money where I, your I, mouth no, no, is, no, no. you don't want to do it. No. no, we haven't been doing a show a long time. I'll let you know you talk about the things that will trigger. Don't do that. That will trigger me. <laughs> don't do what? What did I do? Lay it out explicitly so I know not to do put, it again. Put Jake. words in my mouth like that that like I'm backing off a stance because of what the truth is. So what was it yesterday when I brought up when I brought up that I liked Hyde, that I thought he would hold up, uh, you know, the, the progress of Nick Chubb. And when we talked about Jarvis Landry and we talked about Josh Gordon yesterday, what then was your point? So I could be clear. What, because I thought you were telling me. I haven't me, changed my point. I haven't changed my point. They were out. So there are, they are the better options. Again, I'll do straight up and stuff like that. My point was you are taking the better people according to consensus. I'm saying consensus and you are wrong. You, I don't hmm. give you the points just because I'm holding to my opinion and it's stronger. Okay. I would just you say. Don't go, you don't go to Vegas and tell them to change their points because of your opinion. 
All right, fair enough. I will just say, Jake, when we were talking about it yesterday, it did not seem like you were representing that my point or my side of it was the consensus. It sounded like yesterday, to me, it sounded like you thought it wasn't the consensus, that what I was saying was kind of uh, – you know, and uh, off the beaten path, and that what you were saying was the the kind of more the consensus. It sounded to no, me now, now you're, like now the you're assuming and reading into things. I'm asking, yes, that's why I'm asking. That's why I thought. That's why I thought that it would be an interesting kind of uh, matchup, shall we say? Because I felt my feelings, Jake, that uh, you know that you were saying that this was way out of the norm. What I was saying. Okay, so let's do it straight up then, because I still think this is going to be an interesting thing for us to follow all year. Are you willing to do it straight up then, Jake? Yeah, because I'm that confident. But again, to my point, <laughs> right, right. Your, so it's you, about the confidence here. You're taking the better players, according to everybody. Okay, well, uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's make it a gentleman's bet and find out. Jake, we were, in fact, talking about the AFC um, North all week long. We all agree that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to kind of win this division. What I think is interesting, and I want to get your thought on, is, listen, NFL Rookie of the Year. You know, there's some options here in the AFC North. You got Baker Mayfield at plus 650. You got a guy like Lamar Jackson at plus 2,000. What do you, what's your take uh, on this Rookie of the Year idea? Because I know you like even a guy like... Um, you know, Rosen in Arizona, Allen in Buffalo, things, Darnold. You, you think a lot of these guys are going to start right off the bat. Do you think Mayfield or Lamar Jackson have a decent shot at uh, Rookie of the Year with some of these odds we see over on mybookie.ag? No. Nobody has any odds. This is – this should just be who doesn't get it outside of Barkley. There's, there's no other odds. Okay, so you think it's, it's, it's Saquon Barkley's – Obviously, to lose, you know, only if there was an injury or something like that. Saquon Barkley is at plus 120. He is the favorite, and you think it is warranted. He should be the runaway favorite for, uh, for Rookie of the Year? Um, yeah, I would put him out of surprise. He's not even money versus the rest of the field. Yeah, he's at plus 120 right now. Let me also ask you, we talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you think? Do you, do you think the Steelers are viable in kind of bets for the AFC Championship, or do you think this is New England, like you would only bet New England for that kind of bet? The Steelers right now are plus 380 over at mybookie.ag, so we're talking about a 3-to-1 odds there. Do you find any value in that for the Steelers to win the conference? I mean, there's a little bit, but uh, yeah, obviously it'd be Patriots and then everybody else, but this might be the most vulnerable the Patriots have been since, nice. I'd say, 2009, which was the last time they didn't win 12 games, because we talked about that the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd, I'd say they're the most vulnerable since then, so it's it's interesting. I mean, if you're not going to vote for the Patriots, who or, or vote, I should just say bet, bet. if you're not going to bet for them, who are you going to bet on? It would probably be the Steelers and the Jaguars. I honestly, my second favorite would be the Chargers. I also, yes, and you know that we share this, Jake. I, we've talked about how high I am on the Los Angeles Chargers. I do believe they got an interesting shot this year as well. I like that as a sleeper team. When we pray for, profile the AFC West, we'll definitely get into that. I know, you know, how we've talked about things like the anthem and White House visits, how you're a fan of um, tradition 
and procedure and routine. Well, we're not talking about that, Jake, but Terrell Owens has decided that he is going to eschew tradition here, and he is going to not attend his Hall of Fame induction ceremony. You know, he comes out and says he'll be celebrating with his family and blah, 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 and all that stuff. But, uh, to me, Jake, this kind of just adds to the narrative of T.O. being kind of a malcontent and bad with the press and difficult to work with. Why would he take this tack? What do you think about T.O. not going to his, his own ceremony? This is people – this is America being America, and everybody's doing tit for tat and trying to win. It's just it, – this is – I compared it yesterday. We were talking about the frenzy, and I compared it to, honestly, the front office of the United States. And the, you know what I'm talking about there. Mm-hmm. The fact is, is everybody always wants to be, ha-ha, I win, I told you so. It's, and the fact is, both people are wrong. It, again, like, the, the Hall of Fame should have never – not voted him in the first time. That that was egregious right. to begin with, let alone after that. So T.O.'s bitter. So now he wants to be like, ha-ha, screw you. I'm not showing up. And then they're going to be like, well, we don't want you here anyway. And they're like, So it's just the back and forth, and it's the old saying. The middle school know, feel, that, right, Jake? Like you were saying before, well, I was the middle say school is like if, Well, yeah, exactly. But it's the same thing as what's going on with the White House and football teams and stuff like that, and then the NFL. like And every sport, and that's just not that. It's just a good comparison right now. I I don't know what the exact saying is, but it's basically you throw enough crap around, everybody has it on them. And that's just what it is. Everybody looks bad. Everybody looks like idiots. Just suck it up and be a freaking man these days. Or not even a man, a woman. or Just be a human these days, and you don't have to be, like, spiteful in everything you do. I had to watch a little bit of the Stanley Cup <laughs> last night. You know, a champion was crowned. Props to Alex Ovechkin winning the con Smythe, finally getting the Capitals to the uh, Stanley Cup. Jake, two things. I don't know, you know, you were texting. I don't know if you saw the whole game or anything like that. But one, the opening was absolutely ridiculous. You know, like uh, Vegas, baby. That's all I got to say about that. And then, Jake, I don't know if you saw at the very end of the game, there was like an empty net, and then the, there was a clock malfunction with like under yeah. a minute left. They didn't show the clock. I'm literally watching it at home with my lady, and I'm like, you know, they go then with a, a whistle to like check the clock. I was like, yo, what if they decide like, oh, snap, there's no time left. Wouldn't that be a weird way to win the Stanley Cup? What are your thoughts here? First of all, congratulations to the Caps. What do you think about that opening and also like the weird clock malfunction at the end, Jake? Yeah, so the, the clock thing was definitely. I was the same. It was like, weird. How much? How much time is left? Exactly. I was like, like, is like, it going to be three seconds left? Is the game already over? Yeah, that, no, I, I, that, that was what I was wondering. It's like the game is like, is the game over? That's what. And I a little home thinking. clock operating, also, right? I think that was definitely a little homish. So that, that was just weird. Uh, look, I, I'm I'm frustrated because I was I was rooting for the Vegas just for the storyline, you know, mm-hmm. just for the fact that you know expansion team wins the Stanley Cup. That just would have been awesome. That just been fun. And plus, I really don't like Ovechkin because Ovechkin's kind of a dick. I mean, let's be real, he is. So the fact is, you look at this, and for that aspect, that's what it is. So on the flip side, the beginning, the intro. Look, I know a lot of people out there are like this is crazy this is it was crazy Jake. it was crazy <laughs> no it was fun like, it could be crazy like, and fun <laughs> they could be well, both they're not mutually saying, exclusive like, and that's what i was gonna say it's like let's be honest like you know was it a little over the top yeah was it a little corny theater looking like the stuff that you would go down like broadway off broadway and like some well, that's Vegas, corners, right like, cirque du soleil on the strip or something like that no but i'm saying it's worse than that that's what i'm saying it's like so you know the fact is yeah it was a little cheesy and funny and stuff like that but at the same time 
they're having fun. I want to see more teams do this. Like if the Buccaneers in football did this with pirates at the beginning of the games, I'd, right. I'd, I'd like that. Like they come and pile it out of the ship. Like think about know, the Minnesota is... Viking potential here. Yeah, it's a, I, I, kudos to the for the Vegas Knights having some fun and entertaining the fans and getting them riled up. And you know what? If you watched it. They even told the story. They admittedly showed that the guy they were beat up down three to one. The guy was getting, and then the guy, the people rallied behind him. So it didn't work out for them, but I, I, I enjoyed it. Okay, fair enough. Listen, Jake, you don't enjoy the weekend starting the weekend. You're lukewarm on that, but you like the Vegas Knights opening show. It's interesting. We get a little bit of insight into Jake's mind. You know, do you also watch like the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, Jake? No, I could not care less about that. <laughs> okay, you know, I mean, it's a similar kind of theater, shall we say. But, Jake, championship season is upon us, okay? The, the Stanley Cup was given out last night. Justify will go for the Triple Crown tomorrow, and the Larry O'Brien Trophy could be given out tonight, Jake, okay? The Golden State Warriors, it looks like, I mean, they certainly have crushed the souls of the Cleveland no. Cavaliers, Here, in my Here's opinion. the only way it's not given to them is if Golden State wants to go home and win it. And win it That's at home. That's the they're a four-and-a-half-point four favorite tonight, Jake, on the road in Cleveland. I mean, I agree with you. I think they had their chance I, you in know game what? one. I'm going to tell they you right now. They had their chance in game three. Go ahead. I, I'm going to call it. I'm going to say I would take that because I'm going to bet that they lose on purpose. I think they're that cocky. They really? They know how good they are, and I think they want to come home and win it. Like, I know there's, you know there's only so much certain place, but I think this team is filled with so many cocky over-the-top players that they're going to bring it home and win it. Interesting. You think they could, uh, like, proverbially turn the switch off and turn it back on at home just to celebrate in front of their home crowd? And that said, you would take Cleveland plus the four and a half points today on mybookie.ag. I, I still, I don't know if I would do that because this same time. Hey, Joe, you can't flip flop. Come on, no, no, no. get them out. Make them want. No, because I said that the beginning, if you ask Corey at the very beginning of the series, I said I'm not touching the series. Any game right. could go any way. You know, if, if LeBron has given up and he's already checked out, which I wouldn't blame him for, I, I mean, you're not going to be able to stop it. Scott, real quick, though, I wanted to get your take on something that uh, I asked Jake about the NBA Finals. Um, I want to think, because you know this, only, the Super Bowl MVP, I think, only once has been on a losing team. Is that correct, right? I think a Cowboy yeah. had it in the, mm -hmm. in the 70s or something like that. You know, yeah. in, in game, games one and two, it was like all Steph Curry. Game three, Kevin Durant goes crazy. Maybe they cut, you know, split the vote a little bit. Can you right. see LeBron James being the finals MVP even if Golden State dominates. I mean, what LeBron is doing is absolutely ridiculous. What do you think about that, Scott? Is it possible for LeBron? I thought he could. And Jake said, no, no way. It'll never happen. They'll, give it to a, they'll find a way to give it to a warrior. You think it's possible LeBron could win MVP of this final series? I don't think so, especially if not if they get swept out or lose in five games because your most valuable player is the team that you can't win without. You know, you right. take and LeBron you can get swept without him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you take LeBron off the Cavs, they can still get swept out of losing five games. Maybe he's the playoff MVP because they don't get to the finals without him, and he's done a tremendous job getting in there. But to me, the MVP always has to be on a winning team. Weekdays, 7 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers.